0: Yes, it's me, Mark Stone, and this is the Backseat Driver Podcast. I'd like to welcome to today's Backseat Driver radio show, uh, shall we say, something of an unusual combination. I'd like to welcome Carol Kinu, an American who lives in France, who has a penchant for classic Lotus, uh, and comes to England whenever she can to race, although she races elsewhere as well. Good morning, Carol. Welcome to the Bicycle Driver Radio Show.
1: Good morning, Mark. How are
0: you? Uh, Bearing up under the strain as the saying tends to go over in in England at times, but uh, how's things in in France? Uh,
1: They're they're doing okay. I mean, you know, considering what we're all going through uh, worldwide, I think um, we're not doing too bad um the sun is starting to shine today so that makes for an update uh it's it's all right I, I it's, it's kind of um you know kind of boring because we don't get to go to races <laughs> but, uh, it's all right it's all right we're doing good
0: now how di- how did you get into racing because is, is it a family thing do you are you following a line of races or are, are you the first? Well,
1: actually um, in my family, on my side, uh, my I, my dad was in the Air Force. And uh, he always had an interest in cars, uh, but uh, had a motorcycle, had some cars. His first car, one of his first cars was a TR4, and he bought that in Germany. And so, uh, you know, he, he liked Porsches and Jaguars and things like that. But at that moment, he couldn't buy anything like that. And um, later on, actually, uh, I started to get interested in cars. Um, I did have an Austin Healey Sprite from 1959 when I was a student in San Diego, and it was something that uh, with my boyfriend at the time we re- rebuilt, literally. Um, and it was uh, it was a nice little car to drive around in in, in San Diego, California, <laughs> 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 a little convertible. Very unusual um, for that time. And then again, uh, afterwards, basically, I got into racing when I met my husband here in France. Um, it took a couple of years, but uh, his brothers, Michel and Christian, uh, were already racing uh, when I met Patrick. And from that time on, um, about 1986, 87, we started to go to to Monnery and watch them race and follow a little bit what was going on there. And um, then Patrick, my husband, uh, got interested in racing and bought his first car, which was a a Lynn Terry Terrier from 1959, an ex Brian Hart car. And um, eventually, Uh, from that time on, um, we were kind of going to the races, and it was a hobby, just a hobby. And at one point, uh, I really started to wonder about all this stuff. and started (laughs) to think, maybe maybe I should uh, get into it, and I wasn't really sure because it it is kind of scary. I mean, I'd never really gotten in a car to race. I, I, I drove fast. I always drove fast. Got a lot of Speeding tickets in California, <laughs> but, um, but uh, basically, uh, I had questions, and I remember. Just I putting remember, it, it is
0: one of those things. If you've any common sense, you shouldn't get in a racing car, really, should you? No,
1: no, you shouldn't, because I think I think what it is is uh, I, I considered it like catching a virus. Yeah, it's mean, <laughs> kind of. Um, it's uh once you do it and if you do like speed and you have in general i think a competitive nature uh it's something that uh it kind of gets in your blood and gets under your skin and you start to want to do it more and more and more and um that's kind of what happened actually it's it's uh, it kind of grew out of that first moment when somebody said, well, why don't you get in the car and drive it around the paddock? And I'm like looking at the car going, hmm, I don't know about this. Because at that time, I always thought that race cars, I don't know why. It just was a stigma in my, in my head. Race cars were more dangerous than, than motoring cars on the freeway. <laughs> and actually, it's, um, it's not true. You know, it's it's sort of like uh um it's um it depends on how you how you drive it of course and you know, knowing your stuff. But uh it, once I got in it that was it. And um I was very lucky to have uh the people around me who decided to actually send me off to the Winfield Racing School in Paul Ricard. Yeah. And that was what really got me started. So, I asked, uh, I asked, so in
0: actual fact, they theoretically sent you there, hoping you'd come come back and say nope, don't want to do that anymore.
1: <laughs> I, I, I actually, um, they sent me, they sent me off for four days just before one of the Montlhery uh, races, and the idea was that I would go off for four days, to the school, and then I'd come back, and they would put me in the terrier. Yeah. And um, I would get up there on the banking and have a lot of fun. And I was just scared out of my pants. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's one its one thing to watch the races and watch the cars up there. But it's a whole other world once you get your car going up there on the banking and get higher and higher. And, and um, you know, it's so steep. Yeah. It's like I kept thinking, don't look down, don't look down, don't look down. And um I actually my legs felt like rubber. The first time out it was it was really kinda of scary. Um, there's lots of things that go through your mind and I was I was upstairs thinking, What are you doing up here? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was kinda of crazy. It was crazy because it was so intense for four days, um, learning to do everything right. Yeah and then actually getting in the car and forgetting everything I learned.
0: I mean, for anybody who doesn't know Montloy is um it's not far away from Paris and it's one of the very old banked circuits it's like brooklands and monza um it's a It's a circuit I've been fortunate enough to just drive a couple of laps off. I haven't raced there, but I've driven a few laps and it's I can assure anybody when you're at the top of a banking, the speed you have to maintain to stop up there um puts the whole world into perspective doesn't it because you 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 look down on other cars that are below you that are going slower than you
1: well yeah you're kind of going if 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 i let up if i if, um you know if, if there's moments when you look down and you see these other cars and you just keep thinking for god's sake accelerate and get away from me <laughs>
0: because you can't let, when you're when you're up there you can't lift can you you've got to keep your foot on it <laughs> No, the,
1: the whole <laughs> it, the, the whole idea is the faster you go, the higher up you go because it's sort of like a centrifuge, yeah. you know. And so you're just sort of going up there, and and you know that you can't just all of a sudden take your foot off the accelerator because it's just gonna it's just gonna drop you down, and you might not drop down in the right place. and no. there might be a car underneath you or whatever, and and there's no. It, you really have to be aware of that, and um, it was quite, quite spectacular. And like I said, it's one thing watching other people do it and thinking, "Oh gosh, that's so cool," and just look how easy. It, you know, you think it's easy, and then when you get up there, um, it's just a whole nother world. <laughs> it's, 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 it's um, I think, it was one of the most exciting things I've ever done, actually. Yeah. <coughs>
0: now as time's gone on as i said you've developed a reputation for racing in england because there's one thing is there's not a lot of lady racing drivers in france uh a lot although there have been famous ones such the most famous one of course was heli nice uh who raced bugattis but as time's gone on you as i said you have a passion for classic lotus i mean where did the passion for the lotus come about
1: that actually um, kind of happened because of the Terrier from Lynn Terry. Yeah. Because, um, you know, he was uh, a Chapman. Um, he was with Chapman very early on and, and, and actually was probably, I consider the Terrier sort of the grandfather of the Lotus Seven. Yeah. And um, what actually happened was from the time that uh, um, my husband um, and I uh, started this, racing, and uh, actually at one point, he decided to buy a Lotus 7, yeah. which was also in, in 1959, and it was, it came from England, so everything was in the right place, except that I didn't feel like I was sitting in the right place, <laughs> <laughs> everything was, you know, all of a sudden, my, the side I was driving from wasn't the same and all that, but he actually, at one point, I mean, I was very, very lucky, like I said, um... And I thank him for that. I will always be grateful for that. Uh, Bless him, he's not with us anymore. But uh, um, he put me in the car. Yeah. Um, And uh, so going from the carrier to the Lotus Seven, and then at one point, um, his older brother, uh, Michelle, Michelle Kinu, he bought a Lotus 23. And uh, I remember um, at that point, uh, we were kind of looking at other stuff, and Patrick really liked the Lotus 23. I'm not really sure about the reasons behind it, but uh, he decided to buy one, and um, that Lotus 23 eventually became mine, Yeah, and uh, I did drive Michelle's car for about a year, a year and a half, and so there was a moment when Patrick and I were actually racing in some races together, he and our Lotus 23, and Myself in Michelle's car, and so that was quite interesting because we were driving on the same track at the same time. So it was an uh, interesting moment to share. Who was
0: the, who was who was the faster driver?
1: Um, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> 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 so, uh, only because actually, at that moment, pretty much parallel to that moment, there were some de- decisions that were made and patrick decided more to go into um organizing events and he uh he was really involved in Asave, which is uh, one of the oldest um associations yeah uh here in here in france and uh he became president of Asave, and then uh, also started to get interested in um the formula ford yeah, uh, historics and and we actually did have um, a recreation of a Lotus 59. Yeah, um, which I drove. I ended up driving. Actually, that's where all this started happening. Is that uh, the Carrier We, we sold it. Um, we had the Lotus Seven, so there were there was driving going on for me in the Lotus um, Trophy here in France. Uh, I was driving a Lotus 23 and I ended up driving the Formula Ford Lotus. So, it was all Lotus. Right. And, um, uh, basically, I think uh, uh, the Formula Ford was probably um, a revelation for me. Uh, that's when I, I just, I really felt like I was, I was in a car that I felt one with. Yeah. And um, the Lotus Twenty Three was my baby in a way because I love sport prototypes. Yeah. Um, but the, the the sheer size of them when they're all put together, because you know, you, you there's sort of a difference between when you strip them down, they look so small, and <laughs> then, and when you put their bodies on them, they look like monsters. Yeah. And and so the Lotus Twenty Three for me was sort of like a. Um, a compromise between getting my butt into a sport prototype that I felt like I was overwhelmed by. And then this little barquette, which just seemed to be, it was my size. Yeah. I I felt really really good in it. And the Lotus 23 is the one that I owned until um, just about a year and a half, though, two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, so, anyway, so Lotus became sort of my thing, and um, parallel to that, um, I drove, uh, um, at the same time actually, this was all going on all at the same time, I was driving a uh, 9-11, a uh, 1964 four nine eleven for a team called Poly Bay. Yeah. And uh, we did only endurance racing for that, and so I was lucky enough With all this stuff going on, we got a lot of, an awful lot of experience behind the wheel because uh, on in the Porsche, uh, we get twenty four hour races, twelve hour, eight hour. This is the high, the high moment for uh, VanderVeer organization, which um, did uh, mostly historic um, endurance racing. Yeah, yeah.
0: How did, you, how, did, how did you find going from, shall we say, a conventional race of however many laps, say 20 laps or 30 laps or half an hour uh, in duration to racing 24 hours, to racing endurance? Because it is a whole different world is sports car racing. Well,
1: I actually um, think that um, I, I, I was better, I think, in endurance racing than I was in, um, the sprint, what I call sprint racing. Yeah. Um, because, um, in, I, I it's not that I, I wasn't good at getting off, um, the, the, the start line or anything like that. It's just that once I got into the rhythm of it, it just became natural. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, I, I have a, um, I am very competitive. I mean, I, I don't think it seems that way to, pe- to people who see me all the time. They think I'm this calm person, and, and uh, but inside, it's sort of like I'm going to get you. like my dad. He was in the air force. He he was a, a soldier, um, and I think he instilled in me this sort of idea about soldiering on yeah. um, no matter what. And so I loved being in the car for two hours and 10 minutes. We would stretch it because um, by regulation we were supposedly not allowed to, to be in the car more than two hours and maximum 10 minutes yeah, um, extra. And um, I just loved it. Once I got in there, um, it just became such. It, it was. It was about me, actually. It, 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 it there was the competition. I have to say that. I mean, of course, everybody wants to move up in the in the grid and and you know do be the best they can. But at one point in endurance racing, you're actually racing against yourself because every time you go by you want to know you're getting better
0: and better yeah, what you, what you, what you yeah. don't want to discover is that, 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 that the lap you've just done is 10 seconds slower than the previous one and if it is exactly. you 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 want to know why was it slower at times if you're behind the back mark you know why you're slower but right. if not you exactly. haven't a clue why you're slower yeah it, it was so so endurance
1: racing actually was, um, that's where I got uh, a lot of time on the track Um, and where uh, the tracks became um, very familiar. So I didn't have to worry about learning them, you know, or it it was a little bit different coming over to to the U.K. to race because that was not my backyard. Yeah. And so it was, um, that's when my, my old uncertainties would pop back up again and I would start to kind of panic sometimes. Not panic, I wouldn't call it panicking, but it's, it's um, the unknown unknown, uh you know, where is that corner uh, and, and not knowing how it goes. And the first time that I would go to Grand Patch or, or race at, um, at uh, Goodwood, I don't know when I went to Goodwood, Goodwood looked really easy when you look at a map. <laughs> 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 so it's sort of like you go, oh, gee, yeah, interesting. It's sort of like Montlary. Can look really um, easy, yeah. you know. Um, but then when you get on there and with the banking and stuff, and, and Goodwood was one of those for me. It was sort of like I was in—I was just like a baby learning to walk again. Yeah. And I—it I, was—it um, was quite uh, a revelation for me actually um, to be on that track because of the changes in the tarmac and changes. You know, they're subtle changes. Yeah. Um, and if you don't know them beforehand, there were an awful lot of guys racing that track that know it I mean they, they could probably walk it with their eyes closed yeah so it was um all that kind of stuff was sort of um, thank goodness I did have the experience behind the wheel to know that know, know enough that I could do this because, yeah yeah it, it was um. Oh, good times.
0: I just thought it it (laughs) was... The the other thing is when you race at Goodwood, you're also uh, very, very, uh, shall we say, uh, you're probably very conscious of some of the great names and great drivers that have raced there and won there and everything else, and you're following in some serious footsteps, aren't you? It's
1: it's overwhelming. First time. I mean, especially for me as a woman, um, it's sort of like I remember... Getting the, the information um, that oh my gosh I'm going to Goodwood um, it was uh, I just couldn't believe it I mean it's, it's sort of like it, at that moment and this is the American side of me speaking it was like saying to somebody who's like 10 years old um, that you're going to Disneyland for the first time you yeah know? <laughs> I think this is this is the growl of all racers, as far as I'm concerned. Um, You know, for me anyway, it was the fact that I was going to to the UK. um, For me, that I considered that as uh, um, one of the well, the UK is just for me. It's connected to racing, connected to car building, to racing. Um, Some of the most interesting cars, especially the Lotus. And so when I was told that I was invited, or should I say the car was invited <laughs> to, to drive at Midwood, um, this was in 2006. And uh, I, I just couldn't believe it. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? I, I, I don't know where this place is. I don't, know. <laughs> I, I don't know how to get there. I don't, you know. So uh, the people that I knew in the U.K., um, Simon Hadfield, who was taking care of the car. Yeah. Um, he, he, you know, told me basically, okay, you know, don't worry. We'll get you there. And the car will be there and blah, blah, blah. And um, I actually booked uh, a session at Goodwood. And I took my, at the time, I had this little um, Alfa Romeo break. Yeah. And um, I took that car over there and drove it around the track for the day. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can, I had a monitor guy. Um, to, to He took me around in at first, and then he said, okay, do you, do you think you'll be all right? And he said, let's change places. And so I got in the car, and I started going, and then he let me go by myself. And um, I didn't even think about the tires at the time. You know, and I remember getting back on to, I, I kept thinking, the, the car doesn't feel right when I was going back to the ferry. <laughs> 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 the kind of doing some weird things here. And um, no wonder, because I didn't even take the time to look at the, 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 the tires when I was, you know, going before I went and drove back. But um, when I got back home in, in France, it was sort of like, oh my gosh, I've got to buy four tires.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not forgetting as well, you probably need some new brake pads and everything else, because circuit work isn't particularly kind to your average road car, is it?
1: <laughs> no, not at all. And But it was it was really, I think that that was really important for me, to have done that, because then I could come over and I wouldn't have to worry about learning the track. Um, of course, one day, does not, um, you know, it's not enough. Uh, I think... Um, it's it, it's i'm quite um, jealous of everybody who gets to go there so often um, even on the off times like you know to, to have the the, the the days when they can go and rent their different cars on the road yeah. on the track excuse me but um you know it's just i've been very very lucky to and i do think part of it is luck because i happened on to people who who actually thought that i was Good at what I was doing, and the fact that I was a woman did not make it a problem. Of course, there's always those who who it's not that they don't like women on the track, but you know, even now, after having raised 20, 24 years, um, I still get some of the some of the I don't want to some of the crap. <laughs> <laughs> About being a female and there's lots of stories about certain things that did happen to me on the track um, because of that and and there's there's some um, it was just uh, uh, like I said I met a lot of people who believed in what I was doing thought that I could do better pushed me to do better um, and gave me sometimes possibility to drive other cars than I would have um, because uh, I i driven other cars just because somebody said well give him the car and take it for spin or uh why don't you drive this car with with me or you know so so that was um that was also a big plus
0: because i mean you uh, besides I, besides the cars that you, you've driven you've raced lotus elan lotus for cortinas you've raced you've raced a ford falcon as well haven't you
1: yes i did um that was a um I was asked by Robert Sarai at the time, we were were due to to race in um, Dijon, and um, Robert Sarai had the Sport Falcon and his son Fabian was driving it in the race. And uh, he said, well, we'll do a two driver thing and I'd like you to, you know, share the car with Fabian. And I thought, oh, oh, whoa, (laughs) this is gonna be interesting. And, um, you know, every time there's another type of car that comes into play, it's sort of like, I, I need to, I call it sniffing about. Yeah. And, and a friend of mine um, who, who lives in Uruguay, he noticed that whenever I'm I'm, you know, at mobile or on a paddock or something like that, I I actually, one of the first things I do, it's sort of, I mean, it's going to sound really crazy when I say this, but it's like a dog. (laughs) (laughs) I sort of, I stick my nose into the the driver area, and, and I'm just sort of looking around and taking it all in, and I smell the car. Yeah. And it's, um... It's really important for me. I don't know why, and I don't know where this came from, but it's something that um, yeah, he noticed that, and he said, "You know, you're a car sniffer." Yeah. (laughs) 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 Okay. (laughs) And um, that's what I did with the Ford Falcon. Um, I got into it, and I'm thinking, okay, this is okay, Carol. Um, It's a boat.
0: Because uh, I'm not just okay. butting in. I mean, compared to the cars you you have raced, the Falcon would have seemed a enormous and b they do sway around a lot, as you said, they are a barge. It
1: it 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 was they're heavy. Um, they you know c- compared to the twenty three, it was like I mean, it was like getting into from a Riva into a Titanic. Yeah, you know what I mean. and heavy, <laughs> And it, um, what was interesting too, at that time, Robert was trying to figure out that it, we were kind of changing the steering wheels to find the right size, yeah. actually, just sort of like we were testing that at the same time. And, um, so there were some things going on and of course I didn't, I didn't really pay attention to all of that because I was there just to drive the car actually, you know, and, um. I remember it was at Dijon, and there's this one area we call the cuvette, which is uh, uh, goes down into a plunge, and you, it's a it's a left hander and goes up to the parable. And um, the car actually, uh, I remember it dancing. It was it was like hopping around on its wheel. Yeah. And um, that was really interesting. That was the first time I actually had the sensation of this sort of like. Uh, like uh, imagine the Michelin Man being your tires. You yeah, <laughs> it's sort of like boom, boom, boom. It's sort of yeah, it's the Pillsbury Doughboy, uh, you know, <laughs> kind of just just hopping down on it. And, and it's um, it was amazing. I enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I understand um, why muscle cars. Um, are such a such an adrenaline rush? Yeah. Um, the one car that I've driven on the road and I really enjoy driving. I did drive uh, one of my friends, um, Bernard Perouche, who had at that time a, a blue um, blue and white um, Cobra. Yeah. Uh, he switched over at one time to a road car, and. Uh, it, well, he actually has the road car, the Roadster today. And I remember him taking it to Le Mans and they were testing and they were driving the other car. And he actually uh, said to me, um, well, I've taken the tickets for the, the, you know, you can get out on the road with the road car and the trap. And he had bought some tickets and he said, well, why don't you take them and take people? Because that was the thing. We could drive the car around but we needed to, to take passengers on. Yeah. So he suggested I do that. And um, I was really, really, really um, quite uh, humble about it because Cobra is like, wow. Uh, I would have loved to race one in a real race, um, which I never got the, the possibility to do. But just driving it around Le Mans um, it didn't keep me from opening up the throttle, of course. And <laughs> it, was, it was just absolutely amazing. And it just feel that power. And um, I get a real rush from knowing when I control something like that. Yeah. And I'm capable of doing it. Um, and I was quite proud of, of, of what I've been doing as a racer because... Um, I do. I have to admit, I love speed. I mean, there's nothing like just feeling all that power and just letting it run through you and actually know that, you are, that you're part of the car. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what was really one of the things that um, gave me the light motive to, to, to keep on doing it. And it's just, I love the shape of the historics. Um, I so enjoy hearing the noise. And like I said, the smells. I mean, I, I just I, I don't really get that excited about the whizzing sound of modern cars, or F1 does not do it for me. Um, you know, the surprising but, uh,
0: thing is the number of people who uh, have raced or do race, and are associated with cars of, shall we say, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And like me, they have no interest in modern Formula One. One thing I'd said is, if you park all the current Formula One cars in a row, and all the livery was taken away from them, they were all just white. They would all look alike. There's not, but the modern car, modern racing cars. There's no soul and no spirit in them. It's they're just a modern thing that can go quickly. Yeah, I, I well, I think too.
1: One of the one of the things that um, that kind of I mean for me um racing kind of the f1 racing uh when when senna was gone um that was it for me yep. i i I, I, I did not get excited about other racers out there and and i don't know what it is exactly um why certain racers from some from, from the old school racing um times and and the vintage racing and all that i don't know why certain drivers uh, appealed to me more than others. Um, I think there's, you know, one of the things that F1 lacks today is a certain kind of uh,
0: charisma. There's no character F- to them anymore. I mean, back in the heydays, I mean, the lady you kindly introduced us was Christiane Ireland, daughter of Innis Ireland. And you look at Innes and you look at Graham Hill and people like that and these guys, these guys were characters in their own rights they'd as much character as the cars that they raced and even at, but, yeah. out of the car they were, they were bigger personalities than anybody could credit but they were still hard racing, committed drivers whereas today they're not, they're just little corporate clones Well that's, that's one of the things
1: that um, I don't adhere to and um, all of that is, is that it's sort of like when you go into a grocery store and you look at apples, and all the apples look the same. Yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no there's no differences. You know, it, it, it's sort of um, they're all the same size. They're all the same. Like you were saying about silhouettes of the cars. If you painted them all white, they would all look the same. Yeah. Um, it's um, one of the things that I think is particularly interesting about historic racing day and also in in concurrence the 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 what it was at the time when it was actually happening um in the 50s and 60s um up to the 70s and 80s uh, is that most of the guys who who were in the car to drive other cars they 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 would get from one type of car into the other um, they would be capable of uh, um, getting as much out of um, a monoplast as they could out of a sports car or a GT or whatever. And um, they were multi, multi-talented, well, yeah. multi, yeah. you know. And then today, um, I know one of the things that, that uh, I've often talked about with other people is that you take the racer from F1 today, and you put them for the first time into one of our oldies. And they're like going, whoa, it's shaking all over the place. It's making all kinds of noises. It's, it's, um, it's doing this, it's doing that. And actually, it takes them a while to understand that that's what the car was doing. And that's exactly what it's supposed to do. And that's how it's supposed to sound. Or as
0: I always and say, they are incapable of working out that the car is talking to them.
1: It, well, there you go. There you go. They 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 aren't listening to their car talking to them. That that is very true, and they're not feeling it because
2: no.
1: they don't. They they you know we often say and well I think it's true in F one too. I I would imagine I've never had a, a, a conversation with some of these modern day guys. I haven't talked to any of them, but um, I know that one of the first things that I learned is that. You feel the car as much with your butt, yeah, as you do in your hands on the steering wheel or anywhere else
0: and through and your you feet. feet if you, if you if that's why you wear thin soled shoes, you can feel what the pedals are talking about
1: yes yes i I really this whole idea about you know we say here in france um from a vacuum and got that means it it feels like a glove, yeah. So when when I would slide into the car, it's sort of like it, it, it was like putting on a glove. Yeah, you just you your your whole body just goes in there, and you you are it's it's so wonderful to have that feeling of forgetting that the car and you are are, are separate parts. When you when you don't feel like the car is just mechanical or just i have never looked at a car as being something that's just an object yeah um and that that um if i don't like the looks of the car i know i won't drive it well yeah Um, (laughs) because, (laughs) because because i think that's also a part of the um empathy you have for these older cars is because um, you like the looks of it. Yeah. Uh, there, are, you know, you, 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 all the things come together, and it's, um, it's quite interesting when um, when people ask me. They said, "Well, you know." But, what what do you think of when you're, and I go, you don't think. I mean, you're not supposed to think when you're in the car. You're not supposed to be thinking about your grocery list. You know, know, Monday I've got to take the kids to school and, you know, all that kind of stuff. No, you're not thinking while you're in the car. And actually, that was one of the the revelations I had um, in the early 2000s is the moment when I forgot completely that, I was doing stuff. It was sort of like in a car. It was um I remember it so clearly. It was um at Jarama. And I was in the Lotus 23. We were we were doing a 12-hour race. I was driving with Helen Bashford who was my co-driver for the for that race. And um, she took me around the track by foot. And so we were walking and talking about the track and talking about the car and and um I got in the car for the race, and there was a moment when I kind of conscious, I, I, I don't know how to explain it really. I consciously thought about that, that I wasn't thinking about being a driver in a car, but being the car. Yeah. And and at that moment, my, because I became conscious of the fact that, uh, you know, I thought about it, the, the rhythm dropped. Yeah. It was really interesting. Because we looked at the times and we and I said, "I know exactly what happened there." It was when I let something else come, kind of drifting through my brain at that moment.
0: You started, thank you.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and it wasn't so up to that point. It was just so fluid and so so. It, it's like a metronome for a piano player, yeah. a musician, you know. And um, that was sort of a. a, a Times when are revelations, I think, and and um, it's also uh, there's certain moments when you get faster and faster, and when you go over the 200, and when you you know you, you do these things, and you're going you're going up the ladder in terms of speed and stuff like that. But once you get past those little points, then you become a better driver, I think. Um, you, you control your anger if you're angry. You control your your um, uh, your breathing, but you don't forget to breathe. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, there's a lot of that because all of these little things are actually um, what what makes you a better driver. I think.
0: Now, um, before we go, because we're running out of time, <clears throat> two quick questions: Which is your favorite? Which is your all-time favorite racing car? And which is your all-time favorite circuit?
1: Okay. <laughs> My all-time favorite racing car. If I, if I, does it have to be when I drive? Or yeah, well, preferably
0: one that you've driven. Yeah.
1: Oh, the Lotus Twenty Three.
0: Right. And uh, which is your favorite? Which is your favorite circuit?
1: My favorite circuit is Dijon, um, just because I always considered it a little spa. It's got everything for me in terms of a small circuit. It's it's got everything that spa has in it. Um, and my it's my favorite because it's it was my backyard, yeah, because of um the organizing of of you know La Dor and and um the fact that we use that circuit quite a lot for our events, um I knew that circuit really, really well, and so I have to say that in in driving terms and knowing the circuit it would have to be um. Dijon, and my second favourite I have to say is Goodwood,
0: only because it's just so, everything about it is amazing Carol Kinu, I'm going to have to stop you we could carry on for hours, we could probably fill about three shows with this well, <laughs> Carol Kinu, it's been <laughs> absolutely fascinating, thank you for taking to the time to chat to me from your home in France oh,
1: thank, thank oh. you for asking me, very oh. very, very honoured
0: Yes. All being well, we will see you back on the back in a circuit or on a circuit in England, driving a Lotus or a Porsche or whatever. But until then, Carol, thank you very much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. And uh, have a good day and be safe. Stay healthy.
1: <laughs> we'll oh, try to. <laughs> Cheers, Carol.
0: Thanks okay. very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Ciao. beaten on price, never beaten on service. Whether it's cars, bikes or commercials, Hoddy Tyres are the best in the business and when it comes to tyre expertise and advice to supplying the correct tyres for your vehicle's specific requirements, nobody comes close to David Lakin and the Hoddy Tyres team. So give them a call on 01200 613 192 or visit the website at hoddytires.co.uk.